Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, only about 13 or so minutes long each day, but it keeps us in God's word. And that is really important for our faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We encourage you to share these short studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means as well share. You know people in your life who need to grow in their faith, who need to come to God, who need to start thinking about their soul's salvation. Help them to do that by getting them into God's Word through these short studies. Share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. What a blessing it would be to help somebody get to heaven by getting them into God's Word through these short studies but that will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our general series talking about heart troubles. We're talking about heart troubles from a spiritual perspective. We're not talking about the physical heart. We're talking about our heart when, we're, when we say, I believe with all my heart, or I've, you know, we're talking about heart problems. We're talking about from a spiritual perspective. Now, in this particular part of our study, and we've looked at a bunch of problems of the heart to this point. We've, we've talked about heart troubles from the perspective of hatred, laziness, gossip, worry, unforgiveness, ungodly pride, harsh judgments, supercritical fault-finding of others, and this one we're talking about anger, anger. Well, anger generates all kinds of negative feelings, emotions, and actions. We talked about how trying to get a clear perspective on a given situation while angry, and especially while really the anger is just boiling within us, what's like trying to read a book through glasses that are really super dirty and smeared. You can't get a clear image, can you? It's tough to see the, exactly what you're trying to read. You may not be able to make out the words or the sentences. Your perception is distorted. You just can't see clearly. Anger does that to you. The emotion, it, it just clouds your vision. Your ability to reason can become impaired and your judgment clouded. And as a result, you're vulnerable, you're vulnerable to making really bad mistakes, and sometimes grievous mistakes. And left ungoverned, anger is raw emotion that can produce out-of-control behavior. It's the fire that is kindled by emotion left unchecked. And anger also feeds on itself. And not, if not brought under control, it becomes not only the fire but the fuel for the fire. And just as fire that is left uncontrolled rages quickly and becomes destructive, raging anger can develop into all kinds of destructive behavior. Again, including hatred, violence, even murder. We talked about that. We saw the scripture text in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, where Cain became so angry, the text says, that he ended up murdering his brother. 
His brother did not do anything to him. The text doesn't say that it did. Cain became angry because God rejected his offering to him, his sacrifice and worship, and he respected his brother's Abel's. Well, Abel offered the sacrifice, obviously, that God had instructed. And Cain substituted something that he decided to offer to God that was not by God's instruction. In fact, it violated God's instruction. Now, we can conclude that because the Hebrews writer says, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And as we keep emphasizing in these short studies, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. But despite that reality, Cain became very angry, the text says, and he ended up eventually murdering his brother. Cain might have been angry against God because God rejected his sacrifice, not, not, not his brother. But maybe he was just so angry that he turned his anger against Abel because Abel offered the right sacrifice. But regardless of, of the direction of his anger, obviously it was played out against his brother, Abel, and he murdered him. A faithful Christian cannot allow himself to be consumed with anger. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, the Apostle Paul wrote, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, if you think about all of those other negative emotions, bitterness, wrath, clamor, and then the result of them, evil speaking, and even malice, are they not all associated with anger to begin with? But you see, Paul says, as Christians, we need to be kind to one another. We need to be tender-hearted examples. We need to be forgiving of one another. We need to put the anger out of our hearts. A Christian is supposed to make a difference for good in the world. A Christian is supposed to be a positive influence upon the people around him or her. And a Christian is supposed to reflect the righteousness and holiness, and yes, even the forgiveness of God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the way that a Christian lives his or her life. Now, look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. Jesus said this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the salt of the earth. What do we use salt for? A preservative, for one thing, and that's a good thing. But also we use it to season foods to taste better. It's a seasoning influence that makes things better. And that, I think, is probably the primary 
focus of Jesus saying, you're the salt of the earth. We're supposed to make the world better through our influence, or at least influence the world to be better. He goes on, and then verse verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world, a light, the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Now, what does light do? It's another positive element, isn't it? It illuminates. It lights up the way. You come into a dark room, you want to turn the light on so you don't bump into all kinds of things, trip and fall and maybe break a bone. And so he says, you're supposed to be like lights. The kind of lights that somebody would see off in the distance on a hillside, a city lit up at night. He said, you can't, you can't hide that kind of illumination and nor do you light a lamp and then cover it all up so that the light does not go past the covering. No, you, you put it on a stand. You, you light it up to illuminate the area around you. And then Jesus says in verse 16, let your light so shine, the light of your life, in other words, so shine that before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The point being, you, through the light of your life as a faithful Christian, as a faithful follower of God, you'll light up the area around you, light up the people around you will see that godly influence, that Christian influence in the way you're living your life. We're supposed to purposefully let our lights shine before others and thereby not bring glory to ourselves, but glorify God. The example of a Christian should make a difference for good within society, within this world, within his family, within his work setting. Christians should particularly exhibit love. Now, that's the opposite of anger, love, toward their fellow Christians. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus told the apostles, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. People are supposed to see the love of Christ in us by the way we live our lives and love others, especially our fellow Christians, but others as well. Now, if anger is so dangerous and so potentially destructive, what's the opposite of anger? What can temper it? What can eliminate it from our mindset, our emotions? Love. Love is the antidote to anger. I want to leave you today with some questions, probing questions. You answer them honestly. Honestly is the key here. Do you have a problem with anger? 
Does your anger sometimes get out of control? Do you have problems controlling your tongue when you get angry and perhaps start using vulgarity and cursing or maybe shouting, getting into arguments? Have you ever done anything in anger for which you were later ashamed? Have you ever verbally hurt somebody through your angry words? Have you ever physically hurt somebody through anger? Have you experienced relational problems in your life with others due to your anger? Have you ever been in legal trouble due to your anger? Answer those questions honestly to yourself. Do some self-examination, some introspection. They may help you turn your life around and put anger away. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us, Father, to not let anger take over in our lives. Help us to control it when we start to feel it welling up within us. And help us to put it down and to put it away. Help us to be the example of Christ's love, of your love for us and for humanity in the way that we live our lives before others. And may you be glorified as we strive to be the light of the world and the seasoning salt within the society around us. Please, Father, we pray. Please forgive us. And in Jesus' name we pray, gracious Father. Amen.